tired of being compared to damn Britney Spears. She's so pretty. That just ain't me. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm recording. Jeez, that's embarrassing. Anyway, guys, refrigerant leak detection. How I do it. How you can do it. And a little tip thrown in there that some of you may not have heard about yet. This is the HVAC Know-It-All Podcast. I'm your host, Gary McCready. Guys, before we get all down and dirty with the podcast and refrigerant leak detecting, there is something that I wanted to ask you guys, and I want an honest opinion. So I have a $20 headset from Best Buy. It was advertised as a noise-canceling microphone. Now, it doesn't cancel all the noise out, but I guess you get what you pay for, right? So I can either look into a more expensive noise-canceling headset, or you guys can continue listening to the background sounds of my truck or job site. I need to know what you guys would prefer, because I'm on the fence. I understand about having a podcast and canceling out distractions. But I also have this attachment to the romance of the background noise because it shows that I'm out working alongside you guys. And I asked a question uh, on Facebook. I only got a couple of answers back and I think three answers back and everybody liked the noise in the background. But three answers isn't enough to gauge the entire audience. And by the way, it's been, hasn't even been one week yet, hasn't even been seven full days, and I've almost got 800 listens uh, slash downloads. So thank you guys very much. You guys are awesome. So hit me up with a, a message on Facebook, Instagram, wherever, LinkedIn, wherever you guys are, um, wherever you guys are linked to me, and let me know, do you like the background noise, or should I cancel it out? Let me know, guys. Thanks. So first off, how do we determine there's a refrigerant leak in a system? Well, one of the easiest ways to determine a leak is by visually checking for signs of oil. All right. Oil usually indicates there's a leak. Usually, I say that uh, tongue-in-cheek because sometimes when a guy takes his gauges off a machine, it sprays oil onto the fittings or it sprays oil on, onto something else and you might go there and see there's oil there and think there's a leak, but just, just be wary of that. But oil definitely is a sure-tell sign there's a refrigerant leak. You can stick your gauges on and check that way. If it has zero pressure in the system, obviously you have a leak. Where it gets a little bit trickier is if the system's running and you have some some low suction pressure, all right, and it looks like there's a leak, but it also could be a liquid line restriction. You have to know what you're looking for. That's where superheat and subcooling are very important because you can put your gauges on, think it's low on gas, when really it's just a liquid line restriction, like a plug TX or plug filter dryer. So how do we know 
that is short of gas when checking superheat and subcooling. That is kind of another podcast, but right off the top, if your superheat is high and your subcooling is low, low like the smooth talking voice of Barry White, then most likely you're short on gas. So those are the ways you can check oil and gauging up to see how the system's performing. Now, if you suspect a leak, what do you do? If the refrigerant's still in the system, I don't recommend taking that refrigerant out to put nitrogen in. That just seems silly to me. All right? Because then you're going to soap everything. You're going to have everything covered in soap. And it's going to be hard to get off because everything's going to be covered. I don't recommend doing it that way. What I recommend doing is grabbing a refrigerant leak detector, a good one, because some aren't aren't that good, okay? Now, I've tried a few, and the last one I had, it wouldn't work very well. I actually, um, it was last year, about a year and a half ago, I leak checked an, uh, an evaporator coil, and I came up with nothing. Nothing. A year later, that same machine was uh, shorter of refrigerant again, and I had my new Testo 316-3, and I leak checked it again with that, and I pinpointed several leaks in the in the evaporator. So that va- the, uh, that evaporator obviously has some micro leaks. Formicary corrosion is what the uh, I guess the technical term would be for that, or ant nest corrosion, as some may call it. So grab your refrigerant leak detector check it. Once you find the leak with your refrigerant leak detector, then take your soap, then spray it and verify. But don't cover the whole machine in soap. And if it's still got gas and you have a good refrigerant leak detector, don't take all the gas out to put nitrogen in. Because I'll tell you right now, if the leak is really, really, really small, you may not find it with soap if it's deep inside of a a coil. Some coils have a couple couple of layers to them. And if it's a micro leak or a formicary uh, corrosion leak and it's deep inside a coil, you may not find it with just soap. So if the system is totally empty, zero pressure, you can probably guess that there's a substantial size leak in that system. Now, most of us will do maintenance on machines, all right? And if 1 p.m. we go and it's running, the next p.m. we go and it's not running because it has zero pounds of refrigerant, then we can probably think or say that the leak is fairly large. So using nitrogen in this case will work really well because the leak, like we said, will be big. And most likely, you'll probably be able to hear it. If it's that big, you'll put the nitrogen in and you'll, you'll hear that. Uh, we used to play tricks on each other and we were, uh, we were, uh, apprentices after putting in a compressor and welding it all up or brazing. Sorry, I should say we get the, the brazing police after me. So we brazed it all up and we went to pressurize the system. And as we're putting the nitrogen in, the guy standing behind the guy that was adding the nitrogen would go, 
<laughs> trying to make it sound like there's a leak in the system. It was just a little joke we played on each other. Sometimes it worked. Sometimes we'd be like, ah, get out of here, man. I know what you're doing. But if it's out of gas, totally out of gas, you can probably guess it's a, it's a fairly large leak and nitrogen will work. You could probably hear it. And if you can't hear it, soap will be able to track it down, no problem. And as most of you know, guys, I use Big Blue soap bubbles because they are the best soap bubble that's out there, 100%. So, guys, there is a little secret that I wanted to tell you about when leak checking. Have you ever gone up to a system, leak checked it, couldn't find a damn thing, and wrote on your paperwork that it was the Schrader's topped it up and left. I know everybody's done that because Schrader's do leak and, and sometimes that is warranted. Schrader's leak a lot. I mean, that little depressor, if it doesn't pop back up properly, yeah, you're, you're going to leak. And if the, uh, the caps aren't sealed down tight or if the O-ring's missing or the little, the little gasket inside is missing, then yeah, it's, it's going to leak there. But I think it was about nine months ago and I actually just reposted the original video from last spring when I took my Tesla 316-3 and I shoved it in a morette or hovered it above a morette and it went off it went nuts now that morette was connected to wires those wires were connected to an encapsulated low pressure switch now the original post of that video back in the spring got a lot of uh raised a lot of raised a lot of uh i don't know i, I guess there was some angle saying ah wires don't leak your morettes aren't leaking but it wasn't the wires that were leaking it wasn't the morettes that were leaking it was the encapsulated pressure switch sorry i thought i lost you guys there it was the encapsulated pressure switch and what had happened is the seal in the switch between the electrical side and the refrigerant side had failed. And the refrigerant was coming down the inside of the wire where the conductor is and leaking out the end. And since then, there's probably been about three or four posts that I've shared from other people's jobs on Facebook where the same thing was happening. And they were actually showing bubbles at the ends of wires attached to pressurized devices like low pressure switches it's unbelievable so you guys you guys need to start checking the ends the wire ends of your low pressure switches because i guarantee you one day you'll come across it and when you do guys post it post it up online so everybody can see it because it caused a big ruckus a big fight when i posted it originally and people didn't believe me. They said I was, I was a liar. I was, I was an illusionist. There was all kinds of things being thrown around. But it's real and it happens. So check it, guys. Believe me. You'll come across it one day. So just a quick recap. The way I like to leak check, and you guys don't have to do it this way, but this is the way I do it, and I found it very effective. Walk up to a machine. If it's got gas... Use a quality leak detector. Now, I told you what I use, the Tesla 316-3, and I trust it. It's a great leak detector. So if it's got gas, use an electronic leak detector. 
find where the leak location is, and then throw some soap on it to make sure that the leak is present at that location. Just verify it. All right. If it's got zero gas in it, top it up with nitrogen and then start looking around with your soap and listening for the leak location. Now, the repair is a whole different podcast, but that is how I like to go about leak checking. And keep in mind about those pressure switches and any pressure device that is connected to wires to check the wiring ends because it happens and it happens frequently and it would probably it would probably be front and center more often if more people checked it we'd probably be seeing more videos and more pictures online of this if guys were actually checking so that that is one good point of education on this podcast is to check those wire ends of encapsulated pressure switches and other pressure devices okay so guys before i go i just wanted to mention that uh yesterday i had a pretty exciting um phone call with a gentleman at kc tool now kc tool is a distributor in the u.s of uh german hand tools now german hand tools like weha like nipex like wera these are real real sexy hand tools the quality is unreal. They are pricey, but I mean, the price reflects the quality of the tool. So, my phone call uh, was exciting because I was able to set up a 10% discount promo code, uh, know it all, K N O I T A L L. All right, you use that promo code when you purchase a tool or if you purchase a tool from KC Tool and you get 10% off your purchase. All right. Now on my um, on the home screen of my website hvacknowitall.com, there's a KC Tool logo that links you directly to the site where you can use the promo code. So go to hvacknowitall.com. On the home page, there's the KC Tool logo. Click it; it'll take you to the site. You can apply the promo code there if you guys are interested in the German hand tools. All right, so that that is the podcast, guys, for today. Thanks for listening. You guys stay safe. Happy HVACing. Tired of being compared to damn Britney Spears. She's so pretty. That just ain't me. Doctor, doctor, won't you please prescribe me something? A day in a life for someone else. Jesus, I'm still recording. Shit. Guys, let's keep this short, tight, and sweet. Azeotropic refrigerant blend. What is it? Well, it's a refrigerant made up of two or more components. The components will boil at similar temperatures, so they will evaporate and condense at similar temperatures. So the refrigerant, although it's a blend, will act as one. Zeotropic refrigerants, like the 400 series refrigerants, is also a blend but the components in that blend will boil off at different temperatures. Okay, let's say we have three components inside one refrigerant. That refrigerant jug is sitting at room temperature in a room. So the liquid will start to boil off, but because there's three different blends, the vapor pockets sitting above that liquid will be in three different sections. We'll have three different vapor pockets. Okay? That is known as fractionation.
So what is glide? Glide you also need to know. Glide is the difference between the most volatile component, the boiling point of the most volatile component in the blend, compared to the boiling point of the least volatile component in the blend. You take the difference between those two and you're left with glide. Okay, so we covered azeotropic, zeotropic, fractionation and glide in less than two minutes. I wrote an article about it on hvacknowitall.com in the blog section if you want a little bit more information. So head to hvacknowitall.com, check out my blog, and sign up for the email list. That would be awesome. You guys have a great day. Happy HVACing.